Welcome to another episode of What's New and Why You. This will be the start of season three. Happy New Year, guys. Yeah. And, and gals. And we're a little late. We're like, we were going to do this a week ago, and we had some stuff come up. It was a crappy week and a half. But now we're here. We're finally getting to it for the year. Uh, we'll try to get another 25 episodes, 26 episodes out this year. Um, last year we did 23. So a lot of you don't understand that it takes a lot to build into um, a podcast. And sometimes uh, personal life draws me in lane away from being able to do the podcast every week. And we'll try to, we'll try to make an attempt to be twice a, twice a month. You might get three, you might get two one month, but we're going to try twice a month. It, it's just a little better for our schedule. Right, Lane? It is. Uh, and sometimes sometimes it's, I'll tell him we need to get a podcast, and he'll go, yeah, I know, we got this and that and that going, and he'll call me and say, can we do a podcast today? And uh, not today, maybe tomorrow. And just because of the different things yeah. we have all of our fingers in. I mean, and we're building a new house, and we're... We're doing a lot of stuff that takes a lot of time right now. But once the new house is done, we'll have our own studio. That'd be f- awesome. You know, that's going to be nice, having my own studio, having the ability to set up panels and leave stuff out so we don't have to put stuff away every day. There's a probably a 15 to 20-minute setup and takedown process once you get into the podcasting game. And I will tell you, the nicer the equipment you have, the better off you are. Uh, we've upgraded we've- our studio. Stuff three times now. Four. Okay. We had really crappy stuff at the beginning because we didn't know no better. We were told this was okay stuff. And then we upgraded and then we upgraded and then sure sent us these new mics, which are phenomenal. Like I am really impressed with these mics. Um, I like them a lot better. Well, the road mics we were running are very high end mics, but they're not specifically designed for podcasts. So we went to the sure sent us these, these new mics and they're, they're great. They've been great. They're expensive. I'd hate to have to pay for these. They're a couple, three, four hundred bucks a piece, but they were really kind and sent us some stuff. They didn't even ask anything in return. They were just like, hey, we like your podcast. We like what you're doing here. This will make your sound better. And it has. It really has. And it's, uh, they're nice. I can speak and people can understand me. Yeah, it's it's and it's not that the nice the condenser mics that we were running weren't nice mics, but they they were not designed. They weren't the right tool. They were more designed for a singer. Yep, for a vocalist. Yeah. Um, and then we always had to set them in the right direction so that they would pick up appropriately. And sometimes we got them backwards. And this is a way better option. So, like always, we're going to start off with a cattle report today. And today we have an interesting cattle report. Everything's kind of up. Uh, the top 25s are up 231. Steers are to 230. Heifers are down to 229. So this is probably the smallest gap I've seen in a while between heifers and steers. It's less than it's less than a buck lane, which is uncommon. It is. Um, you know, and, and I hate to say this, but heifers make far better feed animals than steers do. Why is that? I, I think it's because they're, they're, you're not dealing with any estrogen or testosterone ever. It, they are more tender. Um, they aren't as big. They're never going to be as big. They're never going to be as full, but they are more tender. And they tend to marble okay. They tend to marble good, uh, especially if you spay them. Mm-hmm. You know, you leave them intact, you're missing about seven days a month on feed because they're, they're riding the other cows. But if you spay them, it's pretty much like having a steer other than you are going to have some frame size differential, you know. Uh, they are a female. 
So we, we do need to keep that in mind when feeding heifers. Um, calves are up to six, 268. Hot 100s made it to 232. Stalkers are up to 252, Lane. Can you imagine paying no. that for stalkers? Uh-uh. I don't know what the guys in the spring are going to do if they stay this high. Because I don't know how you buy three fours at 252 and make money on the back end. Like, it's going to happen. We know it is because there's no cattle in the inventory. But it, I've never seen this. And I thought we got good money 10, 15 years ago. Do they go have to, these producers, these feedlots and producers, then are they going to an average profit? Oh, they're, um, they're, 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 trying, to, they're trying to break even right now. At this price, they're, they're trying to break even. Um, your feeders are who going to take that in the, in the back. You know, right, wrong, or different feeders make a ton of money or no money, right? It's not like they make a little money. It's either they make a ton of money or no money. So they'll probably be trying to break even on a lot of this stuff. Uh, look how expensive beef is in the store right now, Lane. It is. What? Where was I at the last time I called you? Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's, yeah. What was hamburger? Do you remember? It was almost six. It was almost six for 80-20. Right. And it was... Almost eight, eight for, for eight. 90-10. Right. And then the 97 was... Yeah. Like it was 12, stupid. $12 it, was, it was like $12. That's like, yeah, nobody's buying that. So, um, you know, we're in for a rough ride right now. Um, if you've got steers on feed, you're getting ready to make some money. You know, and that's that's just the reality of it. Um, the overall cattle price is down to 10, to 210 which is still phenomenal. Like, I don't know how you could buy a resip for two dollars two ten. That's two grand, Lane, for, for a cow you're going to put an embryo in. I don't... I don't know how you're going to make a ton of profit doing this. Um, most of these, I, that's, it's just sketchy. It'd be a rough time to be one of those guys right now. And then last but not least, the, F, the NFCB is up to 204. So boxed beef purchasing. So the boxed beef buyers are buying from the feedlots at 204 right now. So that's... That's good money on. <laughs> think about that, Lane. If if you killed one of the ones we killed th- this week, mm-hmm. we made we made good money to send it through the freaking ring. Exactly, and and this market is it's challenging for us, right? Because uh, people are finding out that you know I can actually make some money on this beef that I've. Well, especially cows, right? Like like you got an old an old cow that maybe not have any teeth left or. She's just outlived her useful production life. They used to bring them to us. Yeah. Grind them up. I'm going to give them to my kids. Now Nowadays. Now they says, take them to the ring. <laughs> we can right? make more money than we can. If it, and, and, and it's becoming. It's worth more than if we have you guys do it. And, and, and the problem, I can understand. Right? right. And the problem is, Lane, that no one's really grasped yet is because of this, we have killed a ton of cows. Like, I mean, nationally, we have killed far more cows than we ever should have. And then the dairy industry has been dumping cows, too. So we're getting ready to see a timeline that you probably haven't seen since the, since the Carter administration, where beef is so expensive that people can't afford it. And, and you guys out there that have F1s, I need you to do something for me. I need you to stop being greedy. Do you know what the reason for the basis the basis premium was, Lane? What was it? It was to give you more money for your superior product. 
right? Correct. Well, you can't give a basis when the bottom line is more than the old basis number was. Correct. So two years ago, when they were paying two thirty five for for F one Wagyu calves, mm-hmm. we were all happy because we were getting basis, right? Oh, we got premiums. We're doing so good. Well, why are we not saying that when the base price is two thirty five? All right. Think about it, Lane. There, there. You're not being realistic if you think that they're just going to keep giving you a premium, even when the base is more than the premium was for the top producers back two, three years ago. And that's top producers. Yeah, not bottom producers, top. And the problem is, is a lot of the folks with the F1s they have, they're not the top producers. No, and, and I was telling somebody the other day. And they I, don't have the data to be no. able to show or the history to show that they're... no. And, and the one, things. and here's the deal. So we shipped off that pen two years ago down 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 South Colorado. Correct. They got a ninety percent prime rating out of all of it, and we knew. And I told him before he bought them, I go, "We'll probably be in that ninety percent prime rating." But we lost two animals out of a hundred head on feed at a major feedlot. That's where they make their money. Because even if it's not a prime animal, they're going to sell with all those animals, Lane. Right. But the problem is, guys, if if a buyer came and offered me two thirty five today, I'd tell them take the whole damn lot. Right. Yeah. But back then we were making a forty cent premium. So now I don't even need the premium. Like I can be a regular producer, not have to push so high end, and get the same money. And then when the and it turns around again. They'll just leave it at two thirty-five, and everybody will start getting premiums again. There you go. It's not. It's not rocket science. No, it, it's the the availability to actually pay for the product. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not like these these corporations have have an endless pocket of money. They have to make money on what they buy. And I'm sorry, guys, but you're you're really there's a lot of people out there that I've heard lately crying and complaining about the premium. There's no premium right now. Well, no, there isn't going to be. You need to understand that we're at right now above what most of you would have been paid a year or two ago. And right now, I think this advice is real timely, Steve, because most of the time what we would do is they come and offer us what they've been offering. Yeah. We sell our lot. Yep. We get rid of our cattle. Yep. We get ready for the next season. Yep. And the other guys, hold on. Keep holding. And hold feeding. Hold holding. Keep holding. Yeah. And then they finally have to sell for what they'll give them instead of what they'll. What they could have got. And and if it gets to that point, they're not going to give them the 235. Oh, no. They'll they'll start discounting because of size. Exactly. Because they haven't been on feed or their feed program long enough. Like, they're really going to hedge their fund. And so, you know. Folks can listen and yeah. do the right thing. This, a lot of what we're doing today, by the way, our New Year's presentation is doing the right thing just because because the right thing is the thing to do. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff that we're going to be talking about today is just doing the right thing. Well, and the problem, guys, is is greed will destroy your business. I'll tell you that right now. I've watched it in this industry for, for a while now. The guys who are greedy and who are terrible and who do things to try to underhand everyone else, they always end up gone. 
because there's no place there's no place this industry is so small you cannot do things like that it's just the way it is and the other problem is is there's a lot of people out there that have sold a lot of genetics that don't work and that's i think the biggest problem right now is that if you're already going to be offered $2 or $2.10 or $2.20 for three fours, they're taking a pretty big gamble that you guys actually have good animals. That, that's the reality here. Um, they come and buy from us. They get a consistent product because we don't roll our bulls over. Hell, we run, we've got a 10-year-old bull running in the F1 herds right now. We have had consistency from almost the beginning. You know, and that's what I try to tell people. I go, our benefit to the F1 guys, when we sell F1s, they get a consistent product that they've got for the last five years. And then we slowly add bulls into the system so that they're not getting a shock that I just changed out a bull all of a sudden. And now they don't have the same consistency. And those bulls that we exchange for, they have a track record. Yeah. We just don't take a cold bull. And we, and we kill and, our own. That's yeah. the other thing you guys you know, don't have the advantage of is, but we, we'll usually feed the first two crops of steers out that we need for our local, our local community product. And we feed those F1s out. We, have a, you know, we had Barbara on not too long ago, what, five, six months ago. And she sells a lot of our product. So we know what these bulls are doing before they ever hit the breeding herd. And, and a lot of you guys are starting to look at uh, EPDs and SRIs right now. Bless your heart, because you are going to have a train wreck. Um, you know, Australia's pushing this super sire thing. I, I don't buy into it. We don't breed any of the new bulls, because <laughs> they, I, know, I don't know they work. And I'm into like creating the next best thing. And we breed a lot of progressive things. But I have yet to see anything with these Australian bulls that I can, that I can bring into my program and say, this is going to work and keep my clients happy. And we're going to talk a little bit more about clients in a little bit. But we've got clients that are very loyal to us. And they, they don't even ask for pricing anymore. They just say, send us so many down. And we adjust our price based what we have in it. And most of the time, that price doesn't move very much, Lane. In, in, in the last six years, I bet you we've increased price 400 bucks. If that. If that. And depending on the customer. Yeah, it, it's, it some may be, customers it may are be less than they bought last year, right? Right, depending right. on the quantity they purchase, right? Yeah. But the, the big thing everybody has to remember is, is you take care of your customers, and you guys running F1s, your customer really is that feedlot. And if you don't like the price the, the F1 buyer is buying, send them down and get rail grading. If you're really sure you got a good bull, you go do your own premium grading, retain ownership on 50 or 60% of them, and send them down through the process and see what you make. That's the reality of it. And Explain to some of those guys that are small guys what rail... So grid pricing is um, you retain ownership or have partnership with the feedlot to feed these animals. The feedlot sells the animals to the packer, whether it be Swift, JBS, NC, you know, Cargill, wh whoever the packer is, right, Lane? Correct. <clears throat> and then they pay you 
based off the quality of the carcass. Premium, you know, Prime gets a premium price. Choice gets a little less price. Select, they give you whatever the base market value is. And that's, you know, that's how for years the market's always been ran until these premiums started popping up. But right now, if you really think that you have a great product that's worth more than $2.10 or $2.20 or $2.30, depending on where you're at and who you're dealing with, maybe it's time for you to go run them down the feedlot. Retain ownership, pay, you know, and most of those feedlots will let you pay based off of uh, the back end. So they'll, they'll hold the bill for you until the end. And when they're all processed, they'll take their cut of the check and then they'll send you the rest of it. it it's just the reality. Uh, sometimes it's a little hard to swallow, but, you know, if you got into F1 cattle for a premium, you're already base price premium now. Right. So I'm not sure what you're trying to get at. And that's, that just is what it is. And the moral of the story is, Lane, for this, don't be greedy. I know some people need the extra money, but you can't do it at the expense of your business, and that's what you're doing. So what's going on next, Lane? Our snowstorm. Oh, dude, so we've had a great snowstorm that's lasted like two weeks. Last week it sucked. (laughs) This week it sucked. We've been getting some snow and some 50-mile-an-hour winds, and it's just been a glorious time to live in Idaho. We've shut the shop down three days this week. Yeah, yeah. Just so our... We didn't have to put our employees in danger getting to and from Yeah, and that's, you know, the thing I think that the employees appreciate about the shop is if it's a nasty day, Lane just tells them to stay home. Not a big deal. And we make up the work on another day. Right? Or, or sometimes we don't make it up. Yeah. And we can go in and say, hey, guys, we've had a, we haven't been here for a while. We need to get this much more done today. I know you're going to be a little bit longer, but they're so happy to be back in the shop that they're not yeah they'll stay home doing nothing and yeah and they'll stay an extra sale. couple hours and we'll get what we need to yep. and and some i've seen them late late there is you know the cleanup crew eight the main people about seven unless daniel stays to help the cleanup crew but right. um you know they're, they're to the point where they're appreciative because they don't want to drive on these roads i like driving on these roads because it's fun i don't like driving on these roads because he's scary yeah <laughs> Yeah, and, and I'm from a little farther north uh, in Idaho where this is the norm. So me, I literally pretty much drive like I do every day, even in the snow. Like if I do, I do leave a lot more room during the snow, mainly for my own protection, not, the, not for me to run into someone, but there's usually people behind us that are following too close. But I did buy a cool new tow rope. Yeah. And I got to use it this morning. So... I've been hearing a lot and reading a lot about uh, kinetic tow ropes. And we have a company here in Idaho in Twin Falls that um, makes them. Well, makes them. What, what, do you remember the name of it? It was kind of a catchy little tug, right? No, that's not right. Uh, well, anyway, they make them in Twin Falls. Just look up kinetic ropes made in Twin Falls, Idaho. I think it's actually made in Burley, but it's all the same to me. And that thing is nice, Lane. It takes all the shock out of pulling people out. Cause you know how you used to get that shock where you yeah. had to tug them out a little bit. You don't even feel it. That rope takes all of it. And I don't know. These things are cool. Like, and then they, they stretch and then they contract on themselves. They're like, uh, long skinny slinky. Yeah. And it, yeah. but they're really tough. Um, like the guy was telling us they pulled a loader out with one the other day 
So we picked one up. They're a little expensive. I don't know. It's probably the most I've ever spent for a tow rope, 200 bucks. But, but they had a $1,500 one. Oh, yeah. There. They had one for tractors, dude. That thing was cool. I don't know what the hell we'd have done with it. <laughs> it probably weighed 60 pounds. But this 20-foot tow rope was great. Like, I can't, I can't say enough about this quality. It's a quality product, Lane. Yeah. And when you get a quality product, I don't, you know, I don't mind spending a little more money. You're not going to have to worry about it snapping. No, they say you can bring it back and they'll give you a new one. Yeah. So You know, you don't have to worry about a hook going through your window. Like, there's some real advantages to this tow rope. And it's just a, I think it's going to be a good addition to the truck. Because you never know when you need to pull people out. Exactly. Especially up here when the snow or the rain. Or and, and if someone's in needs pulled out with this new toy of his... It won't pass them by anymore. No, no, no. I'll stop everybody. <laughs> Need pulled out. <laughs> you know, we, we do, I do run a big truck, a big diesel truck. So for me, pulling folks out is a lot easier than a lot of other people. But we sometimes don't stop because they deserve to be in the snow drift. That's the law enforcement coming out in him. Yeah, yeah. I, I spent too much time dealing with stupid. So if you deserve to be in the, I can see that you purposely ended up in there. I'm going to let you call someone you know to pull you out. Uh, That's how that works. There you go. So, but yeah, the snowstorm's been great. Um, The cows are handling okay. They're not crying too much. Uh, The wind sucks. Wind sucks. And we've moved our calving. Oh, yeah. So we're not calving right now, which is nice. We we had enough of that last year. Boom. And it was just long last year. We had had winter till freaking May. And the thing is, too, Steve usually didn't calve in the winter, but Kevin and David, and they, they insisted that, that that's when you do your calving. And, yeah. and we said, no, we really don't want to do that. Well, they... We finally got them back in line. Yeah. they After <laughs> last year, they never want to go through that again. Right. And and it we got it moved back enough now that it'll be nice. It'll be nice in the end of April, 1st of May. It'll be a little wet, but it'll be nice. It'll be nicer. At least they'll have a place they can get get their calves up and out. Like, it'd be miserable calving today. I can't even. You'd lose 10th year, you know, probably a three or four calves every day with wind like this. They just can't stay warm. They're not big enough yet. But, you know, the other thing, too, about snow is that it's okay until the wind blows. Right? Like, it's not that big a deal till the wind starts whipping, and then snow sucks. Like, it really becomes a problem. So, you guys in the South that don't deal with it, you know, you don't get the joys, but everyone else who has to deal with it knows what I'm talking about. So, you know, and moving down on our list, um, we need to talk about a little bit of, what do you, what do you got there? Shipping out. Oh, so we had a cluster. So I consult with quite a few folks. And one of the guys that we consult with um, had bought an animal uh, through the stud wagyu auction. And I'm, he's telling me about it. And I wasn't too hip to start with about the cows breeding to start with, but you know, he, he's learning. So I let him make the decision. He didn't, he did it before he even called me. So, you know, it was one of them deals where you pay for a, a consultant and then not use them. <laughs> you know, sometimes you get something you don't want. And this animal showed up in trailer over to the IVF guy. 
guy who runs IVF for us. Uh, we don't do very much IVF, but we do do a little bit. Um, and uh, I get a phone call. And the guy's pretty upset. He's kind of like, what the hell? So this animal had been purchased, and Nick pushed the guy a little bit farther than he should have um, to get him shipped. Well, if you sell an animal, it is your responsibility as the owner, because you're the owner until that animal leaves your property, to get that animal ready for shipping. And that includes taking them down to the vet and asking the vet to get all of the protocols for the state in which they are going to and any state that it will travel through. So they load this cow up on trailer, not having any of this done, right? And, and Idaho is probably one of the most strict states for brand and animal transfer. Like, I know people that have bought animals, and because they, they have a brand already on them, if they don't put their brand on them, they're not allowed to transfer them out of state. So think about that. So that's how strict Idaho is. They shipped an animal to Idaho with no vaccinations. From where? Missouri. There you go. No vaccinations. A brand inspection from the original purchaser with no brand on the cow. So in Idaho, you know what they call that, Lane? Rustling. Suspicious cattle, which could be rustling. It it could be a hundred things. Yeah. So the first problem is, is the cow didn't have a brand that the original ownership paperwork said it should have had. Right? Right. Then it shows up. So, so not only did they break many laws coming to Idaho, just driving it in, mm-hmm. um, not having it properly vaccinated, not having it proper. It didn't even have a Bangs vaccination in Sierra Lane. Coming to Idaho. There are so many things that th- this dude's really lucky that none of the brand enforcement agents found out about it because they probably would have written, went and started writing tickets because no brand. No verification of brand, no medication, no bangs vaccination. You're, there's seven or eight things he broke before he even left Missouri. And he had to come through the second most regulated state for brand and animal health, Wyoming. And they took an animal from Missouri, drove it through Wyoming in negative two degree weather, two degree weather, 10 degree weather. And then it come back to Idaho where it was 30 and 40. And freaking 14 days later, or 7 to 10 days later, we're, we're medicating the animal because she and her calf are sick. Right? Like, come on. You need to get a vet that understands transfer if you're going to transfer animals. The next thing, if you say the animal is AWA registerable but not registered, please make sure that you verify that it doesn't have big a, a white spot in front of its navel because then it can't be. So the accumulation of this whole problem came about because not only did he get an animal that was never going to be registerable, he, we, had to, we had to medicate cattle, which, which none of us like to do because it's not good on the cow, it's not good on the calf. But the cow was actually sold as a donor cow lane okay. who didn't even have her own calf. They had put an embryo from her daughter inside of her. Wow. Right? Like, so it's starting to add up, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and then the, the, the embryologist veterinarian goes, her, her ovaries are too small. She'll never make a good donor. So by the time this is all done, this poor dude 
has all of these things stacked against him, and he did the right thing. He bought the cow back. But the problem is he's filed some complaints on the current, the, the guy who ended up with the cow at the beginning, who just bought it, yeah. had made some embryos. Not very many, because she didn't make many embryos. Right. And, and then they threw a fit that he was going to sell those embryos when they were in his possession with a, it, it's just a mess is what it is. And I'm going to tell you guys this. You're re- you really can get not only in a lot of legal problems doing dumb shit like this, but if you got sued, you pretty much deserve it. And that's the reality of it. Because this is the nonsense I talk about all the time when I say people are three kinds of people. They're either dumb, they either are, or they're the ones that know just enough to get you in trouble, or they're the ones that are crooks. And I think this was a combination of two. Don't know what you don't know. Don't know what you don't know, but not smart enough to ask anybody. Right. And not, yeah, not getting. The and then knowing you just to. enough information to get yourself in trouble. <clears throat> Moving cattle is not easy. It's not quick. It's not something you can do at a drop of a hat. And if they would have used a good hauler, the hauler would have never took the animal. Like I'm not gonna throw somebody out there, but David Tanner, if you would have showed up to his, if he'd have showed up to your place and asked you where the paperwork was from Rough Rider Cattle Company, if you if David would have showed up and you would have handed him no paperwork, he wouldn't take your cow. Oh, he would not, because he needs to make sure his paperwork's right. Yeah, he don't want to get. In trouble, and, and that's, that's his business. And that's the problem, right? Not only did this dude put himself in jeopardy, he put the transporter in jeopardy. Because it's the transporter's responsibility to have all their documented paperwork before he leaves. And obviously this transporter didn't have that. Because what we got given to us on our side, we were all looking at like, what on earth? And here's the scariest part to me. What would, what would happen if this cow had something? Oh yeah, I know. I know an, a guy who bought some cows out of Texas, brought them home, and he had a bunch of baby calves around. Beautiful Master Chef calves, a, f- a set of twins. Um, one embryo split into twins, which doesn't happen often. So these bull calves were set to make him a bunch of money because when you get con- you know real set of twins, then bulls are triple in value because you have like alleles. And he brought these, these recip cows in because he got them on a good price. Didn't have them health checked. Didn't have them safety checked. In Utah, you're not required to. They don't have the strict protocols that we do because of brucellosis from the park lane. Right. Um, and he lost one of the two Master Chef bull calves to a sickness that came in with the cows. There you go. I remember time <clears throat> we had... Uh, some cows come in and uh, we put them in, we put them in the pens and one of them, one of the cows has a snotty nose or something. I don't remember exactly what it is. Yep. <clears throat> I was new and uh, we had, had, we had talked about it a little bit and I had her separated you did. I had her you separated. Had and we put her into the pen, these other cows, our cows, in the pen next to her. Uh, they couldn't touch nose to nose. 
I know. Still. But when we... Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. When we put and these s- other animals in, they could touch nose to nose. And then somebody let the other cow in my pen. That was that somebody did that mm-hmm. because he's, he was getting he's, wanted to get them all water. He, he's sitting something. across from me right now. No, that wasn't me no. that let him in. That was yeah. your father-in-law. Yeah, I lost my mind. He did. I lost my mind. When he's mindless, he's not a f- fun to be around. No. And that day cost us three thousand dollars in medication. Just yeah. because the new cow touched the old cows. Right. And we were, and we could have left it and probably. No, no, we could have never left it. No, listen, <laughs> let me go on. We could have left it and chances are nothing would have happened. But this podcast partly is about doing the right thing right. because it's the right thing to do. Right. The right thing to do at that time is make sure. Our herd was going to be safe and medicated and things so that yeah. if the if the crap cow had something, we didn't. Right. And Lane's learned, had to learn this with pigs, too. We've learned that with pigs, too. You don't bring new things and put them by your old things. And and that's the problem. Most of you guys don't have quarantine pens. I'm lucky if I need to quarantine an animal, I got a few places we can stash her where we can watch her for 7 to 14 days because that's really the quarantine time, 7 to 14 days. Yeah. You know, because you, you may, and the scary thing to me about this whole shipping cows lane yeah. is they didn't even vaccinate the calf and the cow for traveling sickness. No, they didn't. Right? They didn't even have traveling papers. They didn't have... Anything that was required to, to ship the cow. Right. And then the person was surprised and mad about it. When, when I called, when I told my, the guy we consult with that if it was me, they'd have never got off the trailer. If they'd have got to my place yep. and they'd have handed me that lo- book, what's the first thing I always do before we unload, Lane? Check the paperwork. If paperwork ain't right, we don't unload. And, you know... I know the next thing you would call done. Yep. You would have picked up the call phone and called the brand inspector officials to get their butt over there. And well, yeah, and we're lucky because we have a because we had a problem. And here's the deal: we're lucky. We're four miles from the brand inspector. Mm-hmm. He drives by our place every day. Mm-hmm. It's twice he has to before to go to and from home. Exactly. Yeah, we we'd have had a big problem. Because Idaho is so strict, you never want to be on that backside. No. You know. And if you did want. You'll always be. You'd always be. That would include. Everything we do. Our F1s. Yep. Our full bloods. Our shop. Yeah. Doing business for other people. I mean, it would be. It'd be rough. Yeah. And it would always be that way from that point on. Right. There's no redemption at that point. Because now you're a lawbreaker. So you need to do the right thing just because it's the right thing to do. Right. Correct. And, and the hard part is, too, is when you don't know, you need to find someone who does know. Don't just do stuff because you think it's, it's going to work. You might get your buck chewed. Oh, boy. But you're not going to get in trouble. No. You're going to stay out of jail. You're yeah. going to 
Not have a fine. Not have a fine. Not have to deal. Could you imagine if the if the brand inspector would have caught that? He would have had to come to Idaho on on in Idaho. The brand inspection department is part of our Idaho State Police. Yes. So you would have gone to Boise mm-hmm. to go to court. Mm-hmm. That's where you'd have gone because he was over in Twin. So they just send it to District One in Boise. Yep. And. I'm going to tell you right now. They are not merciful. Not at all. With cattle issues. Not in Idaho. Nope. Like, if you could, Idaho is probably one of the few states, if you stole enough cows, in our books, it still states you can be hung for it. They won't hang you, but you may spend 20 years in prison. We do have the new firing squad. They do have the new firing squad. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but that's, that's the reality and, and the strictness of it. And we have to have this in Idaho. And everybody's like, oh, I don't understand why they're so strict. We have a little thing called Yellowstone National Park that's in Idaho and in Wyoming and in Montana. Mm-hmm. And because of this, we have this little disease called brucellosis that is very contagious. It is very bad on cattle. It'll actually make cattle abort. Mm-hmm. And we have done our damnedest for the last 80 years to stay brucellosis free. To stay brucellosis free. Montana hasn't been able to do that. Nope, neither is Wyoming. Wyoming hasn't been able to do that. Because the buffalo winter on their side. Yep. Well, the calve on their side. That's the problem. It's yeah, actually they, the calving. calving. They winter in Idaho, but they don't calve here. So it's the calving. They eat the placental base, and it's a, it's a, viral, uh, it's a viral virus, virology-based um, disease, and it's through placenta transfer, actually. Mm-hmm. And then you can do it nose you can do it nose to nose for a period of time. But buffalo aren't ever rubbing noses with cows, so like that's just not gonna happen. But you know, that's the problem. You know, Idaho's been T B brucellosis free, all of the weird diseases everybody else deals with. We don't have red water, we don't have any of those things because we have such a strict animal security department. And you could get in a lot of trouble. like. And there's other states like this throughout the country. It's not like we're the island, but Montana, Wyoming, Idaho are pretty damn strict. Not sure why Utah's kind of laxed out. Probably because they don't have that many cows anymore. They're mainly a dairy state now. Yeah. So, you know, you know what Utah's struggling with right now, Lane? I didn't know this. Tell me. TB. They're getting TB again in their cow herds. And trichinosis. Remember I told you they had that, that bull that, that was running around spreading trick? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're going to have to start tightening their stuff up. It was a bull out on range, breeding everybody else's cows and spreading trick around. Yeah. I bet you that was cheap. <laughs> so, but guys, just do the right thing. Like, if you think something's kind of not right or not, not 100% sure if it's right, call and ask. Veterinarian's not going to charge you any money. If you call him and go, hey, what do I need to do for, to travel to Idaho? He's going to figure it out. He's going to charge you the money, appropriate money for the testing, and that you'll be done. So. Butcher shop stuff. Okay, so down, now we're down to Lane's side of the topic. So, Lane, do you want to start off by talking about the Wagyu we killed or talk about one of the Wagyus we did last week? Yeah, let's, let's talk about our Wagyu. Okay. So we killed three Wagyu this week. Uh, one was 1,540 pounds hanging. Mm-hmm. The other one's 12 and a couple, a couple bills, 
1,200 pounds and a couple bills. And then we have an 1,160 pounder. Mm-hmm. And they look good. They look real good. They look real good. They're going to be a really good product for who they're going to. Um, we have a dedicated client that has been with us for a long time. And he's probably one of my favorite clients. Uh, we don't drive a lot of beef anymore to people's houses. Oh, we will always drive. But his. we'll always drive. It's like a three-hour drive, too. <laughs> uh, but he's such a good dude. Yeah. Um, and he's so he's so grateful. And Lane even puts it all in his freezer for his wife so she doesn't have to deal with it. So um, remember when I say good customers make a business? They do. Every year we sell another half or whole to him every year. It's usually, An extra. It's usually one and a half to them. Yeah, but but it's always more than it was the, the year prior. Right. <laughs> right. And here's the thing. So me and Lane were talking about this the other day. So the average uh, cow that comes into us is 350 to 400 pounds a half, right? Mm-hmm. So me and so Not the Wagyu. No, no, no. Our, our Just re- regular beef that yeah. come in. Usually three to 350 most of right. Week, right. So, so let's just say the average is 350 pounds. Perfect. One quarter of our Wagyu is the same take-home weight as a half a beef. I, w- I want you to think about that. Mm-hmm. And when people are like, oh, Wagyu's so expensive, it's expensive. But you can get the same amount of meat off of one of these quarters. The eleven fifty-nine, it'd be just under, but we figure anything over 1,200 pounds. You will get the same return meat, quality weight wise, off that animal as you would off of a half of a traditional beef, because most people are killing their beef between uh, right at right at eleven hundred pounds, twelve hundred pounds, which is about an eight hundred pound carcass weight. Mm-hmm. And that's just quick math, right, guys? Right. The reality is we're we're down farther than that. Once you peel the caudal fat and you do all those things, you're down to more like three hundred and fifty pounds. So. Let's just do easy math again and cut it in half, right? Because we know that's not the truth, Lane. It's not accurate. You're, but cutting it in 50% makes for easy math, right? Right. So they're taking home roughly 180 pounds, give or take. Mm-hmm. Meat. Well, you're going to get that off one of them quarters. You actually might get a little more with the burger. Uh-huh. So when people talk about expense, well, yeah, it's expensive. But I can essentially feed... Four people that want halves off of one Wagyu. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and the big boy, my favorite part about this, the big boy is a red one. He's a red one. And he is the nicest of all of them. Probably the nicest Wagyu we have produced yet. And we'll have pictures. We'll have pictures up on the website, and we'll put some pictures up on Facebook. Um, people who say reds can't marble don't know what they're talking about. Or, like I said, Tulane, people who have who say reds can't marble are just being ignorant because they haven't been around good ones. In fact, we haven't been able to get him graded yet. No, but I suspect looking at him from our side. I suspect we may have the 
first 11, 11 or 12, it's pretty damn close. It's going to be the first 11. I think our color's going to be off yeah. a little bit, but. Uh-huh. But it produced yeah. in the, and, and the, the United States. I and, mean, and it's the, and amazing the rea- beef. And the reality too is, guys, and this is what everybody forgets, we, we're lucky enough, we get to see their insides too. So I could have pushed that beef another 90, 100 days if I wanted. Mm-hmm. His liver was still intact. His pancreas was a little bit on the big side. I get a little worried when they start getting that big because then essentially they've got a little diabetes. But... <laughs> But, don't but, we all <laughs> yeah yeah but, but isn't everybody anybody who's healthy you know everybody who eats too much food but the reality is is we are finally narrowing down a feed program that allows us to get these reds to as nice as the two blacks that were killed with him they're all the same age um i think that if you're if you appropriately have red cattle and have the right ones you'll do just fine it's when you don't is the problem. And we're seeing a lot more of those. So uh, one of the guys that we, he's, he's, Shane's our friend now. He is a friend. He's a friend. He's a friend. Um, he, he's done some really good stuff for, for, like when I was building my new house, he noticed there was a problem. He did all of our excavation and dirt work. He, and he fixed it. I was in Wisconsin at the time. Yeah. And he fixed it. Like Shane is one of our good friends. Watch, watches out for us. Yeah. And... Yeah. And he had bought some Wagyu, and his stuff just wasn't turning out good. And I finally sat him down, and I said, hey, these are the things we're going to need to do. We need to up your game in genetics. We need to up your game in feed, and we need to be able to feed at least 2,000 pounds of grain to one animal over its, over its time in your lot. And he followed those pretty damn well, eh? He did. And... When we split that car, it was a beautiful carcass. It wasn't high, super high end, but for the way he did it, it was probably one of the better carcasses for a guy feeding out it with a bucket. Yeah. One of the better outside carcasses that we've done. Right. And our guys, our guys hate cutting Wagyu for other people because they, they say that it's not fun because they're not pretty. And when we rolled these big boys in, everybody at the shops, Impressed with how big they are. They're also terrified about how yeah. much work it's going to be. And, and it's going to be, you know. It, I figure, so we figure that it will be a day on each. Yeah. To get it all done and done appropriately for the clients and what they're asking for. Yeah. And and Lane, Lane's pretty modest about it, but I'm guessing Lane's cutting more Wagyu right now than almost anybody around. At least in the Pacific Northwest. And the other thing is... Oh, we're... we're we're talking full blood Wagyu, yeah. Yeah. not F ones nope. and things, and then Packer programs. No, and real deal, like that. real deal, day to day cutting. But here's the big one: uh, we have a cut list that's not a lot different than everyone else's. Lane does a lot of cool stuff like Zubatons and the pillow meats, and like the grind is fairly minimal. He ends up doing a lot of. Thinly sliced meat, similar to shabu shabu. He likes to call it carne asada meat because people know that here, but really it's a shabu shabu style sliced meat. Yeah, but it's not as thin as shabu shabu needs to be. It, it's pretty we, close though. Yeah, like yeah. like if we had if we took another eighth off that slicer, I think it'd be down to shabu shabu. Maybe 
you know, but people are cutting it up in thinner chunks anyway and making around here, they make a lot of fajitas and a lot of Mongolian stir fries and a lot of things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I think that, you know, like with these beef, it's really cool because the guy who wants them will get big old dino ribs lane. That's what, a, that's why I like selling to him is because he does the cool stuff like dino ribs. So one of the good things we're going to do from this time, um, I've been, a few weeks ago, um, we had some pigs. Yep. And uh, we bought them from Steve's younger brother, and they weren't fed very well. Well, they're kind of, they were kind of there's There is older breeding pigs. Right, right. And, and he sells to the 4-H kids. And yeah, like and again, uh, guys, he's 13 or 14. He's, he's and, 14. And he does a good job. I mean, he's... I mean, it's Isn't not his, it's not his dad's project. Nope. It's not his uncle or his brother Steve's project with him. It's his stuff. He does all the work himself. He does the research. He went and found a mentor. Yeah, I mean, he's following the rules. And the, the, and so he's coming up a little short on feed. So we said, oh, we'll we'll buy three pigs from you." And, yeah, and the, and the other thing was is we were trying to figure out what to do for the guys at the shop. Yeah, that was the big one. Like we were yeah, like, you know, yeah, there's a lot of stuff we can do for the guys at the shop. Um, we found that providing them with a good quality product is better than giving them a bonus. And they'll tell us that all the time. We're so glad because we just spend this money on stuff we don't need. But we always make sure the freezer is full a couple yeah. times a year. So we bought these hogs and turned them to sausage. Yep. And But the one thing I didn't turn the sausage was uh, the loins. Yep. So we boned the loins out and things. I Made up my uh, Canadian bacon cure and put them in the cure and stuff. And Steve smoked them on his uh, Traeger type. I got a Rec Tech. It's yeah. it's way better than a Traeger. Anyway, <laughs> type yeah. smoker. Yeah. Anyway, so and they t- turned out phenomenal. And we've made beef bacon a few times before, and and it's it's pretty good. It's been pretty good. And I said, hey, why don't we offer this client and his son and his friend? Why don't we offer them beef bacon right and oh my goodness he just he i'm always right in for back. i'm he, always in for beef bacon i'll you know, tell you right now he says yeah he says let's make beef bacon i said you for everybody he says you make it all beef bacon so now i gotta ask him if he still wants dino ribs or if he wants dino ribs <laughs> to beef bacon too so that and they don't have to make a choice well and and the, the benefit we i guess we could do is we could take some dino ribs off the other one so he has both Right? Yeah. I I don't use them as much as I used to use them, and I don't think that I'm going to have much time to do them. Yeah, so... So we may just... We just may give them more beef bacon and give them each a dino rib off of the... Yeah, off the other one. Off the other one, and... Yeah, the other one's going to my house, so... Yeah, it it got overfed, and it's not (laughs) not meeting the the standard. Yeah, we can't We can't give... Inferior product. <laughs> yeah, they they may, customers. They, may they have a certain expectation. They may complain there's not enough meat that it looks like it's in there. <laughs> <laughs> good heck. But yeah, that's you know that's the thing though is having good clients. Um, we were able to give him something that we haven't been able to provide him in the past, right, Lane? Yeah. And I think he's going to love the product. It takes time. Like, that's the thing everybody doesn't realize. When you start curing meats, it takes time. Huh, Lane? It does. How long did those, those Canadian bacon sit? Four weeks? 
three weeks. By the time we started the process and stuff, it was three weeks. Yeah. Because I was a week getting right. to them. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's not a quick process. And it's important to do it right. So, you know, that's, those are the things everybody needs to remember is that it's, again, going back to just doing the right thing. If you take the time, you do it right, you get a good product. And I guess it's, you know, it is important to have new clients. Right. But what's more important is to keep the clients that you have. Right. Um, when I was in sales, a lot of sales, I always had the philosophy that my sale wasn't finished until that client came back and bought from me again. Right. And if he stopped calling me, and I knew there was a problem, so I could call and ask what was going on and see if there was a problem. And then if there was, do what I needed to do to gain some confidence back and for them to order for me again. It's no different in selling beef or selling your butchering service to the people out there. Um, if they don't come back again, well, they have a reason that they're not happy with something that you did or your guys did or misunderstanding the process or there's something they're unsatisfied with and you can call back and have a conversation. Um, I find probably 80% of the times it's, it's more misinformation or miseducation thing than them actually being mad at the, how we processed or that type of thing. And they end up coming back. But if you don't have that customer coming back, your business is doomed to fail. Because there's only so many new customers out there. And the other problem is, is there's getting less and less all the time. Right? With the amount of cattle being killed right now, uh, just to make basic supply, um... I don't understand how you're going to get it done. And one of the things we do is we do new stuff. Yeah. And when we find we have a problem, we modify the problem. Right. A few months ago, our guys on their own initiative, I think we talked about this once before, they decided it would save time instead of grinding the ground beef through a coarse plate and a fine plate, they just take the immediate plate and grind it through twice. Two mediums should equal... Course and a fine, right? Right. <laughs> anyway, so we start getting calls from the people that they today. Our, our beef is too car. Late lane yesterday. Uh, yeah. Remember uh-huh. when Bill came in? Yeah. You know we've never had this problem before, but like that bull we brought in, it was the f- real the first time. Yeah. Yeah. The first bull we brought in, and I'm like, oh, Bill, I'm so sorry. He's like, well, no, everything else has been so great. He says it was kind of like eating a steak. Yeah, like chop steak. That's what he called it. <laughs> He said, well, it was okay, it tastes good stuff, but it was just a little coarser than we anticipated. And yeah. then the next one, it was just fine. Yeah. So we had to explain to him. <laughs> what had happened. But, but I think he was probably the last of the people, probably. right? Right before we figured out what was going on. But we used to use a chub bag. Uh-huh. They can't see, you couldn't see it? Nope. It was, it was a white chub bag. It was labeled. It looked really nice. It did. Well, now everything at our shop's vacuum pack. So we can see what the finished product is. So 
in case yeah. any problems ever arise again. And we can just say, ah, that doesn't look right. What did you do? Oh, I forgot to put the fine plate on. Okay. So, so another thing that we have, we're going to start doing, Lane, and me and you talked about this a little bit ago, mm-hmm. and we just haven't implemented it, is we have a really nice scale in mm-hmm. our shop that we can print. Mm-hmm. And Lane's going to start grabbing some packages out of every beef and weigh them and print the stickers. For how much the, the package weighs. Yeah. So people want a one-pound package. They're getting one-pound packages. You know, they may be 1.05 1. 1. or 1.04 or, or, or something or, or, like that. Or 97. Yeah, and that, that's within that's within the... The tolerance. Yeah. But, it, but, but if they're we, not going to have pound and a half or pound yep. and a quarter pound but, packages. But by Lane doing pounds. this, when he gets this call of a mad person that there isn't a pound of hamburger in there, he can go, I need you to look through. There are three hamburger packages with the weights. They have our sticker on them. So that we certify through our scale that, that they are weighed. And he goes, I, he can go, I need you to add them together and divide by three. Well, that average is like 1.1 1. 1 or right on a pound. And Lane can go, then you, there's not any problems. You know, we've had, I, I tried, when we, early on I had to get Lane on board of putting all the weights on the boxes. And Lane thought it was going to take too much time. No, it was weights on the boxes and then put the... Yeah, on the back of the paper, paper too. Yep. And Lane thought it was going to take too much time. And then we had a small problem and I, I kind of forced Lane into trying it. And how many times has that saved you, Lane? It saved us, it saved us a few times. Yeah. And, and yesterday again, Bill, I love how you put the weights on the, on the boxes. How much weight is there anyway? So we can go in the... (laughs) So we just go in and, and get his sheet, add, add it all the, up, add up the weights, and that's what you should have got. Which is, you know, that's that's probably about fifty-two percent. Well, actually, it's about fifty-six. Bill, for yeah, you know, it's quick math, right? You know, quick we're math. not gonna we're not gonna, you know, hold it to the fifty-two, <laughs> right? But but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's those little things that make your processing facility more effective. And. And little, I keep telling my guys, little things matter. So I'll look into the, they'll be boning stuff, and they'll be just about ready to throw it in the bone barrel, and I'll go, wait a minute. And, and there's too much meat left on the bone. I said, why does this bone look so red? Get the red off the bone, and then it's ready to go in the, I said, because we might only have a half a pound on this bone. Or three quarters of a pound on that bone. But you start adding them up, and you just took 12 to 15 pounds right. of good edible meat off this guy's yield. Right. And we don't do that. You know, do your job, do it well. And it's worse at the end of the day, right? It, it always is, right? A- anywhere you go, it's worse at the end of the day. And the problem is, is at the end of the day, sometimes these guys, they've put in a hard day lane. And the day's getting to them. But that's not an excuse for being lazy. No. It's just get it done and you'll get home. Right. You know, and that's, that's really the big thing. And, and Lane treats them so good that they just kind of do what they need to do. And he, he's got them to the point now where we have uh, a group of guys that have been there for a long time. Um, Aaron's our newest member to the team, the full-time team. Mm-hmm. And he's been there almost three years, Lane. 
Daniel and Tiny have been there since day one. Mm-hmm. Shane's been, no, Shane's the newest, right? Yeah, but he, I still consider him a part-timer. He can, yeah. But, you know, but yeah. But, he comes when his back lets him. Right. He right. comes when his back lets him. And and that's what I'm saying though is is I think that we've got a really good group of guys. And here's the thing. So in our area they've opened two big packing houses. Right, Lane? Yep. One's already filed bankruptcy. Yep. They couldn't uh make it out of their startup. Couldn't make it out of their startup, couldn't get enough employees. Right. The other the other group's thirty days from insolvency all the time. They and, tell us that too, pretty regularly. Yeah. And and they've been around for about a year, maybe two. Probably two now. Because they opened right at the end of COVID. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the shops have lost a lot of employees to them. And we haven't because our employees are paid so well and we take care of them. And it's about doing the right thing, right? Correct. We treat them right. We treat them good. We make sure that their freezers are full. We make sure that they have money. We make sure that like Aaron's going to have a baby today. He has the time he needs to be at home with his wife. We make sure all of those things are done so that our people can have a good life because work's not the most important. I give Shane a hard time about not coming to work because of his back all the time, but he knows it's good and good jest. <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? And, and, and it's just taking care of people. It doesn't matter whether you're in this business, the cattle business, and every other business. If you're taking care of people, you're going to be okay. You're going to make some money. Well, one of the topics on this is I'm sure you were talking about or how it uh, affects um, the Wagyu business. Yeah. But it's, you have to verify your mentoring is working. Right. And that works with our employees, right? Right. But, but look with Shane, just with Shane, right? Mm-hmm. We took him from a subpar product to a good product. Mm-hmm. And with a little more time on his side, mm-hmm. he's going to have great product. You know, you have to make sure your mentoring is working. Yep. But, but that goes with all these businesses, right? Yeah, and it works with your employees yep. too. Not one of our employees was a meat cutter before we got them. No. And when they, when they started together, they couldn't stand each other. Oh, it was fights all the time. All the time. It's like a bunch of bickering children. Yeah. It's what it was. It was. And now, you know. They're thick as thieves. Yeah. Don't you do anything to one of them because yep. you do something to one of them, you've done, done it to all three yep. of them or and, four of them. And Aaron didn't have the greatest growing up um, life. And and Daniel did. had these hard times up in yep. the North Valley being yep. a black boy. Yep. And, and the problem is, is they've now got to the point where they're family. Yeah. You know, I was asking him yesterday, I go, Chris, you going to be the godfather? His name's Tiny. But I go, is he going to be the godfather? He goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do what I need to do. You know, they're taking initiative for people that aren't blood relation to them. And I asked Daniel, I said, so you get to be an uncle tomorrow again? He says, yep. He says, I'm so excited. <laughs> so, right? And right. that's and, But that's a good thing. And that's a long way from the oh, first man. day when oh, man. Daniel's pointing his knife at Aaron, telling him, I'm going to F you up. <laughs> yeah, but they've come a long ways. <laughs> well, and, and, and again, like I said, these, none of these guys, these guys had all done a lot of stuff, but never found a place. Right? They were just job to job because that's just what they were doing because they couldn't find a place to be. 
and we've taken it, the initiative, and it's not been easy. I don't know how many times Lane's got in trouble for their dumb shittery. And and there's still the days that yeah. I call Steve, what you doing? Oh, I'm just doing this. Come get me. Yeah. <laughs> I've had enough today. But but and, and it's hard because, you know, I come from a different business setup. And when we when we got the shop, Lane told me, he goes, We cannot run this business like you run the rest of your business or we won't have any employees. You know, and that's that's been hard for me. In fact, I'm sure, I'm still not sure he believes that, but he's let me have my way. Right. But I think that they need Lane's babying. Uh, I don't do that in any other businesses I run. Uh, there's no babysitting. There's no, you either do the job or you can go find somewhere else to do the job. Okay. It's talking about mentoring, right? Right. And make sure your mentoring is working. So we were just buddies yep. before we started this. Fishing buddies. Yep. Neighbors. And when we decided to do this, I've been the employee my whole life, being accountable to the boss. Yep. And uh, now as a business owner and the boss, how much mentoring? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been rough. <laughs> it's been rough and some of it's because lane's too nice like he was still it, it took him th two and a half years to figure out he wasn't an employee and and some days he still acts like one from time to time or i give people who are employees in other businesses or other things i understand where they're coming from and i'll give them more of a break than they should deserve yeah but but that's that's going to be a lifelong issue, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. But we were talking about it, and I said, when we first come in, I said, I was no businessman. I was a terrible businessman. I was probably zero on the businessman. And I was, I was in the shop every day then. Every day. Oh, I remember. Every single day. Oh, yeah, I remember. And, and it was rough. <laughs> for everyone. Because I would come from other business stuff, and I'd have to reassess where I was. I had to take a step back and remember where I was because it just didn't make sense to me that why we were doing these things because I would never do them anywhere else. Yeah, and then we'd sit down and we'd talk and stuff. Well, you need to do this and this and this land, okay, but I need you to back off here and here or we're not going to have anybody working for us. <laughs> yep. And so, I mean, and it was, what, two weeks ago mm -hmm. we were talking about this very thing driving down the highway. I said, uh, Steve, I'm not even going to pretend that I'm a good businessman. I said, but now I had to do my own business. I think I'd be a fair right. businessman. Right. And, and the reality is that's pretty true. Like when he started, he would have been, a, if he had to start his own business by himself, it would have been rough. It would have been rough. He probably would have ended up divorced because him and his wife would have worked together. <laughs> So, yeah. But anyway, but, but, but that's, but verify our mentoring's working. Yeah. Well, then look, you're helping our, our Janice. Shop, our shop is working. Yeah. We've, you've mentored Janice. I've mentored Janice. Yeah. Her shop is working. Yep. And she's. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, the sewing and quilting world is the most cutthroat world I've ever seen in my life. 
just the way they do business, the way they have to do business, the things they do, it is not an easy business. You hearing this, Janice? You know, we're it, talking about your quilting business. It, it's pretty cutthroat, though, Lane. Think about it. It is, right? Yeah. And and it becomes um, who owns what franchises, who comes ahead. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what I'm saying. I go without basic business principles, Lane would have been in a lot of trouble. He was in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I had to be there every day, and now I show up less than I usually do. I'm, I'm there more right now than I have been, but. That's because we're building a new house and half the time I have to come down and grab him because I don't understand what the contractor is trying to tell me. But, you know, the reality is, is I, if I didn't show up for a month, it wouldn't kill the place. The first three years, if I didn't show up for a month, we'd have been screwed. We'd have been hard. <laughs> we would have been in trouble. You know, and, and that's just the reality of it. Sometimes mentorship takes time. And, and there's a lot of hard lessons to be learned. Ask Lane about it. You know, yeah. Lane's been taken advantage of a couple times, and I'm just like, what the hell are you doing? Stop. Stop yeah. doing that. And then the next thing is fix it. Yeah. Now you get to go fix it. Have fun. Well, what do I do? I don't know. I didn't do this. <laughs> but, but that's important too, right? Right. Sometimes you need to fix your own mistakes so you don't make them again. Yeah. But. So has your mentoring been working? It's working pretty good. Okay. If you were 20 years younger, it'd probably be a lot more effective. <laughs> Takes these old guys a little longer to figure it out. Oh, I could have heard you better. Oh, that's I wouldn't what have misunderstood as so, much. So the prime example was yesterday morning. I go, Lane, I gotta go. I got called to jury duty. So I go, Hey, we're gonna drop my wife's car off the tent shop. You drop me off at the courthouse. I need to be there in Blackfoot at the tent shop at seven forty five. So I call Lane at seven thirty. What's going on? Are you? What are you doing? He goes, Oh, I'm in the house waiting for you. I'm like, You're supposed to drive your car. How are we getting back? And I thought you were supposed to be at my house at 7.30. No, no, you said 7.45. No, no, I said we had to be there at 7.45. <laughs> anyway, it all worked out. It all worked out. I canceled it. Yeah, yeah. Court, you, court was canceled. We got the car to the tent shop. Yep, and they took me off the list, jurors. Dang it. So maybe next time. Maybe, maybe next, next time. time. Okay, we're going to leave you that this week. We've uh, taken up an hour of your time, so... I would like you guys to be ready for next week's next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about red genetics that work, and we're going to talk a little bit about import bulls that um, I think that are kind of cool going on. It's going to be a pretty good podcast, and I think it's going to enlighten a lot of people back to what good genetics are out there and what we should be looking for in the new upcoming bulls. So I'm going to leave you with that. And thank you for listening to another podcast here with us at what's new and Wagyu.